Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith. Welcome to another episode of Illinois Family Spotlight. I am Dave Smith. I am your host today. Monty Larrick is away on a special assignment, and I have with me IFI board member Rich Hardian, who's sitting in to uh, grill our guest today and put him on the hot seat. And that guest is our good friend Scott Phelps with the organization known as Abstinence and Marriage partnership and we're thrilled that you're here i don't think we've done a podcast with you we've done lots of work with you in the past but we've never done a podcast well, it's taken so long yeah right <laughs> so, i love you love your work and thrilled to be here david thank you fantastic so um abstinence in marriage partnership a m partnership exists to ensure that every teenager in the country has the opportunity to hear a clearly reasoned, positive presentation on the benefits of abstinence until marriage and instruction on preparing for a healthy future marriage. That's our mission. And what we do is we really equip and train and encourage uh, educators, parents, pastors, adults, essentially, to help a new generation of American youth understand and appreciate the value of marriage as the cornerstone of culture. Where we have healthy marriage, we have healthy communities, healthy culture. And what we need to do is strengthen and encourage marriage in America. And we begin by teaching that to our youth. That's what we're all about. And today's youth don't really have that message being given to them at no, home. No, think about it. Where do they get it? Where, Where they... <laughs> today do American youth get any positive messaging on the value of marriage? And think about this. So our, our program is A&M, Absence and Marriage Education. And the whole point of the A is in preparation for the M. Oh, what good. we're trying That's to help so young people understand is not that sex is a bad thing, but it's a good thing in the context of a marriage relationship. And so... A, abstinence, save it, wait for it until you're in a marriage relationship. Not wait until you're older, wait until you're in love, wait until you're, no, wait until you're in a marriage relationship. That's a message with clarity that needs to be communicated to our kids. And where do they learn about that today? Think about this. How much of the media messaging that our kids see and hear and receive on a daily basis has sexual content in it, yeah. right? Yeah. It's much of it, right? Much of the media content that our kids are taking in is uh, laden with sexual messages and imagery. But now think about this. How much of the sexual messaging and imaging that our kids are receiving on a daily basis portrays sex within the context of a marriage relationship as a good and healthy thing or even at all. And so my concern is not just that our kids are being exposed to explicit imagery at earlier and earlier ages, but the bigger beast here is that they never really see any connection between sex within the context of a marriage relationship. These two things go together. It's just it, there's no context to understand these things. So what we want to do is help young people understand and appreciate the, necess- the necessity of the relationship of marriage as the healthiest, safest, best context for sexual activity to occur. Amen. Amen. And they're not getting the biblical view of this either, are they? Even in our most most churches, Christian schools, most parents 
seem to neglect it or punt to those experts at the school. Somehow, I fear, we think, our kids are just going to sort of figure it out. But <laughs> they, they, they do, but the wrong way. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And I guess my point is many of us uh, understood, you know, at one point that sex belonged within the context of a marriage relationship and that even though people didn't often do it, um, there was still that sort of uh, standard. That standard has completely been liber uh, obliterated. Yep. So it's not now that our kids understand that and aren't doing it. They don't understand it. They've never been told this. Yeah. What we hope is that churches and parents and pastors will do is teach these things faithfully and clearly and consistently to their young people. Don't assume right. that they're just sort of going to pick it up by osmosis because they have a healthy family structure. Um, first of all, a lot of kids don't have a healthy family structure, but I'm saying even if they do, you can't assume uh, that like you were just sharing, David, that you're teaching your kids these things and yes. you've got a through good, one of your curriculum, you've got a beautiful. Thank you. Yes. You've got a beautiful, healthy, wonderful family. I'm sitting here in your office looking at your beautiful wall full of pictures of your family. I said it looks like the the office of the head of the Illinois Family Institute. It's a beautiful wall of pictures of your family. You have a beautiful family. But, David, and I want to keep it that way. You're not taking it for granted. No, I, I teaching your kids. Well, so yes. good for you. You know, something that strikes me as you're saying all this, Scott, is I look back on my childhood and up, our upbringing, I had none of this. There was no instruction coming yeah. out of my family. Yeah. And sex education in school was mostly about how to have safe sex. Yeah. And so there was very little intentional instruction either coming from my parents um, or the church that I had gone to. And, and really it was something left for me to figure out on my own. You know, fortunately, God has seen fit to call me into his family, Amen. which means that I have his word to look upon. And so I, uh, with my wife, are trying to raise our kids in a manner that uh, honors God, which means save sex for marriage and the importance of marriage. But just hearing you, I, I, it just resonates with me. There is a huge void out there right now, and yeah. it sounds as though you're filling it. Well, that's a good way to put it, because that is exactly what we say. We are here to fill that void, that gap that exists, right? Uh, what you're describing about sex education that you experienced, it's only gotten far worse, right? What, what, what you experienced was bad, and it's gone from bad to worse, right? Right. And now you, like David, have a beautiful, wonderful family, and you too are doing a great job of teaching these things to your kids. I know your daughters, your kids are beautiful, wonderful, and so good for you. But again, you're not taking it for granted. You're teaching these things, and you're teaching these things kids well. Sex education is, I say, corrosive to the national soul. What sex education is doing in schools across America is really deadening the conscience of our kids. It's harming them. Uh, it is providing them all kinds of confusing and harmful messages about sex. And here's the, again, the bigger beast is no messaging on the benefits of sex within the context of a marriage relationship. No, I don't know of a single, I was on a TV show out in LA a couple of years ago called The Doctors and I was debating the sex ed lady and uh, she said what they always say. Well, you know, our sex education programs, we teach abstinence too. Well, no, you don't. Because I said this, I said, I don't know of a single sex education program in America, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know of a single sex education program in America that will even give kids the option of reserving sex for the context of marriage. Like, you don't teach that. And you know what she said? What's that? 
You're right. No, we don't teach that. No. In fact, they encourage experimentation, don't very, they? Very much so. Very much so. I mean, I remember being in Springfield when we were first trying to kill the sex ed bill. Um, we were using one of their curriculum, which said, use grape jelly to lubricate the condom. And we were going around with grape jelly packets, putting them on the desks of the, the lawmakers' assistants and saying, here, could you, with the line, and they were saying, oh, this is cute, and then they read the line. I remember you did that. Oh, this is gross. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's this is experimentation. And even that, again, it's gone from bad to worse, It right? is. Because yep, now you've time. introduced all the SOGI stuff, sexual yes. orientation, gender identity, yes. on top of the contraceptive message. And so what's happening is our kids are growing up. Now, think about it. We sort of have, who are older, have a sort of a framework to understand these things. But imagine young children today growing up in this culture of you don't know if you're a boy, you don't know if you're a girl. I mean, it's just so over the falls crazy. What we need to do is make sure that in the midst of all this craziness that our kids hear a clearly reasoned, positive presentation on the benefits of abstinence until marriage and instruction on preparing for a healthy future marriage. We want them to understand what marriage is, why marriage matters, and why waiting for marriage is one of the best ways to prepare for a healthy, lifelong marriage relationship. That's what we want our kids to learn. And so A&M Partnership is all about encouraging public policy, public policy uh, educational leaders, parents, pastors, to make sure that they're not neglecting the responsibility of faithfully communicating these things to the next generation. Amen. Scott, would you say we have an epidemic of fatherlessness in this nation? Um, well, the fathers are there. <laughs> there. There has to be a father. Okay, maybe I should rephrase that. Um, the problem is, yes, I know what you're saying, but it's not just fatherlessness. It's married fatherlessness. Yeah. In other words, the, like there's even ads now on the radio about fathers. Yes, 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 we need fathers, but more importantly, this is what kids need. Not just a father figure, not just to see their dad once in a while, they need fathers who are married to their mothers. And what we want to do is help young people, again, understand and appreciate why that matters. We talked about the non-marital birth rate in America at 40%, 50% in the Hispanic community, 70% in the black community. We need to help them understand why this isn't a good pathway forward, that this is an unsustainable trend, that 40% of American children born outside the context of marriage is not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your child. It's not good for your community. It's not good for your culture. We need to restore the institution of marriage, and the best way to restore the institution of marriage in America is by teaching it to our kids with clarity. That's what we're all about. Those those numbers that you just said, Scott, they almost— uh, should be repeated. Seventy percent in the African American community yes. are fatherless yes. in the home, born outside the context of marriage. Born so we're talking outside. about non-marital birth rates. Forty percent overall. Fifty uh-huh. percent Hispanic community. Seventy percent Black community. That's staggering. Yeah, it is. That's sad. And what we're going to find is that when you when you talk about uh, economic disparities, it's far more associated with family structure than it is with ethnicity. So in other words, if you, if you take a black family and a white family where the children are raised by their biological married mother and father, you're going to have much more similar outcomes. The issue isn't ethnicity. The issue is family 
uh, family structure. And so what we need to do is help young people understand that, right? And the way that we teach, and we teach that very clearly. Now, we want young people to understand, regardless of the situation that you're in now, you have to be thinking about what you want in the future. So, for example, when I was piloting one of my programs, the Quest program, I was on the south side of Chicago, all black school. I know going in 70% non-marital birth rate, black community. I know these things, right? So I'm going to go in and I'm going to teach an eighth grade class of students, all black, uh, on the importance of marriage and family. Now, what am I concerned about? <laughs> what I'm concerned about is offending them and making them feel bad that they don't have what I'm saying is Nobody so Nobody can identify with that. They can't identify with it, and I don't want to make them feel bad. Right. So, so I'm a little bit you know, concerned about that. And so because I'm concerned about that, my natural, normal tendency is to avoid the subject. And so what I want my teachers in my teacher training seminars, I walk them through this, that your natural tendency is going to be to back off to not say that. And as soon as I realize that that's my tendency, I begin to think to myself, now, hold on a minute. If I if I hold off, if I don't say these things, am I helping them or hurting them? And I realize that by not saying that, I'm hurting them. So I have to say it. And I say it lovingly and I say it well. So I teach it to them. And when I say, for example, when I'm so when I'm doing this, I'm teaching my quest program on the south side of Chicago, eighth grade students, all black, and I say to them, Now listen, when I'm talking about having a married mom and dad and how great am I saying that a single mom, a single dad, a single parent? Am I saying that a single mom can't be a fantastic single mom? No, no, you're not saying, of course I'm not saying that. Listen to me, kids. Most single moms are heroes. They're fantastic. They're doing a, they're working so hard to take care of you. If you're Mm -hmm. living with a single mom, do your part around the house, do the dishes, take out the trash. Your mom's working really hard to take care of you. Be respectful, help her out. I talk to kids just like that. Now, when I talk to them that way and I just speak honestly and truthfully and clearly, I, they literally applaud. Okay. They're like, thank you. Th- you know what? No one has ever talked to us about these things before because wow. no one wants to offend us. So we never get to learn about these things. Yeah. But everything I'm saying when I'm speaking truth, it comports to their nature, right? Yeah. So even though they don't see it, even in their own home, there's something deep within them that resonates and says, Truth, truth, more please. (laughs) And so that's what we're passionate about is communicating clearly, unashamedly truth to our young people. And when we do it, they're like, oh my goodness, I've never had that before. That is fantastic that I have some more of that. All right. So people are probably listening to this. They're getting excited. I'm getting excited listening to you. How do they contact you and learn more about your organization and how to support what you're doing? Thank you. ampartnership.org. ampartnership.org is our website. And we would love to, the reason we're called a partnership is we can't do this alone, David. We're working with parents, pastors, policymakers to really change the direction uh, that our kids are going in terms of what they're being taught. So what we're looking for is people who want to come alongside us and, of course, financially support us and help us out. But they can also contact us to get a uh, parent packet where they can go to their local school and sit down with them and talk through. Listen, it's not enough to say to a school, hey, do you guys teach abstinence? Right. There isn't a school in America that will say we don't teach abstinence, <laughs> right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Every, It's a fig leaf. Everyone will say it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's in there somewhere, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you don't. Right? You don't. Yeah. 
Because you're not teaching absence until marriage. You're teaching absence as, you know, wait a little while or something. And so, so what we want to do is equip parents and pastors and policymakers to, to look at the curriculum at your school, what is being taught, what isn't being taught, and make sure that your kids are learning these things in your home, first of all, but you don't want the school contradicting what you're teaching them in the home. You want your school to support to what they're teaching in the home, that the parent is the, the primary responsibility. Well, the church is another story, right? Because uh, I think many churches uh, tend to avoid the subject or to treat it very briefly, you know, once every two years. A lot of churches will say, yeah, we do that every other year. <laughs> okay, your kids are exposed every day. Yes, and you're going to wait two years to say something about this again? Right. So I want churches to step up and to teach these things well. And so we want to equip them. So our Excel program. So And then also let me also say this. For our curriculum division, A&M Resources, go to successsequence.com. Successsequence.com is where they can get all the information on curriculum that can be used by schools, churches, parents. We have online learning courses. We have paper workbooks, teacher guides, online teacher trainings. Everything is there at successsequence.com. ampartnership.org is our main website. Okay. But if you want curriculum, Go to successsequence.com. And I want to talk to you more about that successsequence.com in the second half of this podcast because uh, people are, what is that? You know, they're, they're probably asking. Got to talk about it. But I have to tell you this real quick, too, is, um, you know, these politicians that hang their hat on white privilege maybe want to think about putting their hat on this marriage privilege. Marriage privilege, family privilege, no Fa question about right? it. Right? Rich? Yeah, I, well, I just want to say as we end this particular segment and – that it sounds to me, Scott, and it's really kind of exciting that I'm hearing you say that these kids, when they hear what you are talking about, abstinence and marriage, you are actually giving them a future and you're actually giving them some Casting bona fide vision. hope. You're yes. giving them hope that they can do things different and that meets what they internally know is truth and right. We say we're inspiring hope for a healthy future marriage. Finding your way to and finding your way to a healthy and successful future, no question about it. And, and it's it's that kind of guidance. We'll talk about that more after the break in the success sequence uh, segment, because that is really uh, very much what we're trying to do. Thank you. That's All right. Awesome. With God that said, we're, we'll be back in just a moment. Our culture is telling men not to be men. It's a toxic war against masculinity. Join the Illinois Family Institute, Pastor Miles Holmes, Dr. Scott Lively, and best-selling author Nancy Piercy for the Recovering Biblical Manhood Worldview Conference, Saturday, March 2nd at the Village Church of Barrington. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. Society seems to punish men these days just for being men. Recovering biblical manhood, strategies good for men and good for their families. We're not going to get a better group of men until we get a better group of fathers, fathers who are willing to really stick it out. The IFI Recovering Biblical Manhood Worldview Conference, 10 a.m. Saturday, March 2nd at the Village Church of Barrington. Click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. All right, welcome back to another edition or second half of the Illinois Family Action Spotlight. Today we have Scott Phelps, a former pastor who decided to launch this Abstinence in Marriage Partnership Ministry. 
We are very grateful for your ministry and what you're doing to reach young people, hearts and minds, changing them, changing families, casting vision, as, as Rich was talking about. Without vision, the people perish, is what Scripture says, and of course that leads to hope. But as we teased in the ending of that first segment, uh, what is a success sequence, and why did you name that the Success Sequence Program? Yeah, so the Success Sequence Program is the name for our curriculum division. We have a curriculum program called the Success Sequence, and the website there is successsequence.com. Researchers like Brad Wilcox and others have identified three simple steps that, if followed, tend to lead to healthy, successful futures. Very simply, if we can help our young people follow three steps. Number one, get an education. Get a high school or college degree, even a GED. Get a piece of paper, get a diploma, graduate, number one. Number two, get a job. Learn to be self-sufficient, not dependent on your parents or the government or a welfare check, right? Learn to take care of yourself, get a job. So get an education, get a job, and then thirdly, get married before having any children. So reserving children for the marriage relationship, that is the success sequence. Now the success sequence program, which is us, we go a step further than what is identified as a success sequence. Because a success sequence says, get an education, get a job, and then marry before having children. So we say, Get an education, get a job, and reserve all sexual activity and childbearing for the context of marriage. It's not just wait to have a child until you're married, because that allows for contraception and abortion prior to marriage. What we would say is, no, it's better. The only way to for sure reserve childbearing for marriage is to choose abstinence. So we add sort of a third, another step in there, which we think is the optimal pathway for young people. So we want them to understand why waiting to have sexual activity until the marriage relationship and childbearing is the best pathway forward objectively. Yeah. So you hear some politicians out there saying, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-contraception. What's the problem with that? Yeah, hugely problematic. And what you're hearing now is more and more about we need to increase access to contraception as though contraception is the answer to what ails us. No, marriage is the answer that needs to be communicated. A committed relationship. Yeah, so for example, I just did a word search on the last five Republican debates. Uh, I pulled the transcripts and did a word search, and the one word that I never found in any of the five debates was the word marriage. Mm. And marriage has always been a central conservative policy because we believe that marriage is the cornerstone of culture and that most social pathologies that we uh, run up against are the result of the breakdown of marriage and family. Where we have communities that don't have strong marriages is where we find the social pathologies, whether it's crime, poverty, drug abuse, you know, incarceration, all of that has to do with the non-marital birth rate. And so what we want to help young people understand is why forming healthy marriages is going to be good for them. Now, uh, in the Republican debates, there have been several references to abortion, Roe v. Wade overturned, now what? You know, is there a national ban? Whatever. And so the answer that has come up several times now is, well, we need to, act, we need to increase access to contraception as a remedy to abortion. Bad plan. The, the answer is not increasing access to contraception. It's increasing communication with young people about marriage and family and why that matters. 85% of abortions in America occur among 
unmarried women? The answer isn't, it's not that they can't get contraception. They get contraception right now at the corner grocery store. You can get it anywhere, everywhere. Access to contraception, it's there already. What, what isn't there is marriage uh, information, like why marriage matters. And so if we can increase the marriage rate, that's the best solution to the abortion rate. It's not increasing contraception, it's increasing uh, marriage rates. And there's a whole, there's really a long list of reasons why the access to contraception is a bad plan, particularly regarding the declining fertility rates in the United States. Mm -hmm. So demographic winter is a reference to the declining fertility rates, We've done a fantastic job of promoting contraception, according to government statistics, Centers for Disease Control, National Vital Statistics. We've got 98% of high school girls use contra- that are sexually active use contraception. In other words, they're all using it already. Yeah. Teenage pregnancies and births are at all-time recorded lows. Births overall are in decline. So what we, what we don't need to do is be pressing and pushing contraception. We are not anti-baby. We are not anti-pregnancy. We are pro-baby. We are pro-pregnancy. What we want young people to understand is not babies are bad, don't ever have babies, get yourself on contraception. We don't want them to get that message. We want them to get the message that pregnancy is good, babies are good. In fact, they're so good, reserve pregnancy and babies for the context of marriage. So what, that, that, that's a messaging uh, thing that needs to get absolutely turned around. And so that's where we feel like this increased access to contraception message actually goes against the message that we need to be communicating to our kids about marriage and family and babies are good. And so despite the predominance of this contraception uh, message, uh, we also see a rise in STDs or STIs or anything like that. So there is still a downside. Just because you may not get pregnant or the fertility rates are coming down or what have you, there's still a very big risk of having unprotected or unsafe sex. Let's call it that, unsafe sex. Well, riddle me me this, Batman. (laughs) How is it possible that we have... Pregnancy rates and birth rates at all-time recorded lows among teens while SCD rates continue to hit record highs, right? And, and 98% of, of girls using contraception still SCD rates are at all-time highs. Well, because contraception is not disease prevention. No. It's sold as that. Oh, I love And it's a big lie. Yep. It's a big lie. No, so what is the word contraception? Contra... To contradict, to go against. Conception, right? So it's a product, it's a uh, pharmaceutical product to uh, prevent the fertilization of the egg, to prevent conception. Or the implantation of the egg. So so my point there is, it's not called (laughs) contra-STD. It's contra-conception. The whole point point of contraception is to prevent a pregnancy from occurring. Wow. And it's not to prevent a disease. And it doesn't. It doesn't. We're told that it does. Sorry, it doesn't. Uh, Contraception is up. STDs are up. Pregnancies are down. Contraception does do the job of preventing pregnancy much of the time, but it does not prevent disease. And so our kids have been, it's just been a lie after lie after lie. And uh, our culture has bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And we're paying the price with SCD rates at an all-time recorded high. Illustration I like to use is camping. I love to go camping. And whenever we go camping, uh, there's always a sign-up that says something like, uh, fire, you know, campfire in designated fire pit area only. 
you know, and they're not again. They're not saying you can't have a campfire. It's part of camping. That's why it's called a campfire. Because it's what you do when you go camping. Get out your guitar, little kumbaya, roast some marshmallows, make some s'mores. Campfire is part of camping. But, but, what? You can't just make a fire anywhere. You'll burn the place down. No, what we've done is we've dug down a few feet and we made this circle of rocks about a foot high. And if you're going to make a fire, people, put it in that circle of rocks where it's going to stay contained And now you can have a wonderful camping experience. But if you're just going to try to make a fire anywhere you want, you'll burn the place down. You'll have STD rates at record levels. And marriage is that fire pit. When sex is in the context of marriage, it is safe, it is protected, it is healthy, it is beneficial. But if you're going to have sex anywhere you want with anyone you want, you're going to burn the place down. Now, I was just driving down here to your office on 294, and I saw a billboard for Smokey the Bear. I'm like, okay, we're not really on the road to Yellowstone here. I'm, I've been to suburbs of Chicago. And and we've there's had a lots sign. of rains recently, too. So. <laughs> and it's the middle of winter, and there's a blanket of snow, and there's a, a billboard, a government-paid <laughs> billboard for Smokey the Bear saying only you can prevent fire, fire, forest fires. Well, guess what? Only you can prevent STDs. There you go. Keep it in the Whoa. fireplace, people. Very good. Well, it brings to mind a Bible verse. Can a man embrace fire and not get burned, yeah. right? Well, you, you bring up that contraceptives don't prevent STDs. Uh, one thing that I'd like you to address is they don't pre- contraceptives don't prevent emotional pain and suffering. Oh, my goodness, yes. And yes. so can you address that in terms of what you're seeing, in terms of the, the emotional pain and suffering for those that so much of our program, thank you, Richard, for bringing that up. Much of our program is going to help young people understand that sexual activity is more than a physical thing, right? That it affects your whole person mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. There's so many ways that you are affected. And yet, with all the emphasis on contraception that our kids get in school, they are at least implicitly, if not explicitly, led to believe that as long as I can avoid the physical problems, as they see it, of STD or pregnancy, and those, there's, I have a problem equating those two things, right? Disease and pregnancy. Pregnancy is not a disease, and it should not be equated with one. But anyway, uh, they are taught don't have sex or use contraception because bad things can happen like pregnancy and disease, right? And so the focus is all on the physical without, as you say, Richard, any understanding of the emotional, psychological, financial, all the other ways that people can be affected. And uh, a large part of our program is to help them understand that. We teach that to them. And a lot of times kids will come out of our program saying, wow, I never realized that it's, (laughs) you know, it it affects you in a lot of different ways, you know. And... uh, Yeah, I had a, to your point, I had a lady at a training seminar in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, years ago. She said to me this, she said, um, she said, Scott, how do we communicate to our young people the emotional power of sexual activity? She said, I've been married to my husband for 17 years and we've never been able to be intimate. She said, when I was a teenager, I was very promiscuous. I didn't get pregnant, I didn't get an STD, but something happened inside, something emotionally happened to me. And every time my husband wants to be intimate, I shut down and my husband says to me all the time, I wish I married a virgin, I wish I married a virgin, I wish I married a virgin. 
yikes is right. I mean, if I'm in counseling with these two, I'm like, dude, shut up, right? right like, right, yeah, right. And she says, but I know what he means. Because I was focused on avoiding the physical thing, and I didn't understand the emotional thing. And I'm struggling to overcome the consequences that I suffered. She she was just an honest educator asking me a personal question and sharing from her a personal experience of how I didn't suffer physically, but I did suffer emotionally. And the question she was asking me is, Scott, how can we help young people understand, to your point, Richard, how do we help young people understand it's not just a physical thing? That there's snares set out for them, traps, that could have lifelong ramifications like this, right? Now, to the point of students who have already been sexually active, we always want to help them understand that there is a pathway forward. Yes. Like, we don't ever want to communicate that if you've been sexually active, you know, too bad, you're you're, you're done. No. On the contrary, what we want to say is, you know, you don't want to keep down that, you don't want to keep going down that path. And when I'm pushing contraception on kids, I'm kind of continuing them down that path. We want to say to sexually active teens, Look, you may never have heard about the benefits of waiting. And we're not talking about your yesterday. We're talking about today and the choices you're going to make for your future. You can't go backwards. You don't need to go backwards. This isn't about your yesterday. This is about your today and tomorrow. We want to help you understand that you can make good decisions going forward that will have a significant impact on you that will be helpful for you in preparing yourself for the future. And we get tremendous responses from kids who have been sexually active. And the message that they don't need is, here's, how, here's a bucket of condoms, keep going. Right. That's not what they need. Right. Do you know a teacher down at Urbana, when I was doing a training down in Urbana, to one of the, I, I hear so many things from teachers, and a teacher raised her hand and she said to me, she says, you know what, uh, Scott, as you're talking about this uh, thing about contraception, she said, two-thirds of my girls, maybe she said three-quarters, I think she said three-quarters of my girls are on long-term, yeah. you know, LARC, yeah. long-term reversible contraception. They've got the shot or the patch, something like that. Yeah. Three quarters, I said, T- time out, hold on a minute. Three quarters of your girl, are you talking about middle school or high school? She said both, I've got all the girls in my school. And about three quarters, she wasn't saying it was a happy thing. She was saying, see, if we're putting our kids on birth control pills or hormonal contraception, right. you know, not only what are we doing to them, but are we... Are we solving a problem or are we maybe facilitating yeah, exactly. a problem? Exactly. We're, right? we're giving them the message, hey, it's okay to have sex now. And what message are the guys getting? Yeah. So right. we're putting right. the girls on, you know, the contraception. And what is that saying what to the guys? What side effects are they having too? I mean, my goodness. There's anyway. so much to be said on that issue. Yes. But the point is, it's not enough to point out the bad. We've got to offer the good. Amen. And that's what this is all about. Amen. The Success Sequence Program, our curriculum, is an answer to the bad. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about here is, so if the messaging on contraceptives have been so effective, we can be as effective with the message of abstinence until marriage. Absolutely. And you know what? The kids eat it up. They eat it up. The kids eat it up. The kids are never the problem. The problem is always the geniuses. It's always the smart people with the letters behind their name that are so smart that they know 
what's best for our kids. And what's best for our kids, according to them, is get them on the contraception. And so if we can get past the smart people <laughs> and get the message to the kids, they will eat it up. And that's what we're all about. And that biblical truth resonates in their hearts, right? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So are the events that you're having on your website, too, are you are your different uh, training workshops and all that? Yes, sir. All right, so you're going to be in different places coming up here. Yes, go to the training workshops are for the Success Sequence program. Go to successsequence.com. You can click on, I think it's Teacher Toolbox or Teacher Training or something there, but it's all on our website. If somebody wanted to get you guys to come in and do a training in their church, youth group. Absolutely, absolutely. Reach us through ampartnership.com. Org, ampartnership.org. They can shoot us an email through the contact there, and okay. uh, we would love to uh, love to do that. Okay. Any other questions? Anything you want to say at the end? Yeah, here? yeah. I think what I want to say is that this is the 20th anniversary of AM this year. Uh, we started 20 years ago down this path, and we have uh, reached some two million kids around the country. Wow. And this year, we are launching the national marriage campaign. We're we're actually going to flip the A and the M, sort of, right? So we're A and M. This year, we're going to be M and A. We want to lift up the marriage part of our messaging because, like I said, those five Republican debates, the word wasn't mentioned. This is a big goof. We need to get back to messaging on marriage as good and healthy for our culture. And I'm reading, Scott, that there's an openness in our culture now to polygamy and open marriage. Uh, This is not the biblical way to go about doing things, and it's only going to cause more problems in our culture. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. So we've got to get back to clarity. We can't sit back and say, oh, this is on autopilot, right? Yeah, absolutely not. Thank you. We need you out there leading it, so thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me. All right, with that, I want to, on behalf of Rich Hardian, uh, we thank uh, Scott Phelps, Abstinence and Marriage Partnership, and the Success Sequence Program. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Until next week, I'm Dave Smith. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.